As he uh, sits on death row, there's this uh, sense of urgency, maybe even panic, that is setting in. And it rushes over him. He knows that his execution is at hand. And there's not going to be any conversations about guilt or innocence. There's not going to be any final appeals because that would just be simply moot and it'd be a waste of time and energy because here's what's going to happen. He is going to die. As he pens what would be his last letter to his beloved son, he tries to tell him everything that would guide him for the future. And as he closes out this really important letter... What's on his mind is he's trying to capture the most important things that he could pass on to this young man's future. And there's this mixture of the profound and then the ordinary. The profound goes something like this, for I'm already being poured out like a drink offering. And when he writes this, there's this unbelievable imagery that's going on in his mind. If you go over to Numbers chapter 15, verses 1 through 6 in there, it's talking about the drink offering. And the drink offering was the wine that was poured over the altar as the final act of the sacrifice. It was the final act. And so when Paul's writing this, he says, I'm being poured out like a drink offering. And the time of my departure is soon, has come. And he says, I fought the good fight. I finished the race. I've kept the faith. And now there is a store for me, a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award me on that day. And then there was the ordinary. Do your best to come quickly. Demas... Because he has loved this world, has deserted me, and he's gone to Thessalonica. And when you come, please bring my cloak that I left with Carpus at Troas. Bring my scrolls, especially the parchments. Please, please try to get here before winter. Today we are closing or concluding our study of the book of 2 Timothy's, Paul's final thoughts are found in this chapter to his beloved son and the faith, Timothy. And it's this really odd mixture of things he's going to write in the last chapter, in chapter 4 of 2 Timothy. There's this last list of commands, and then there's this deep reflective thoughts, and then there's just this random thoughts about people and places. And so the question is, is how are we to interpret this? And and what lens are we to look through these final thoughts of Timothy? And I think what will help us is, what will help us is if we could understand the end by going back to where we began. Do you remember our beginning? Remember our beginning? Our beginning of 2 Timothy is is really found in chapter 1 and verse 6. Where Paul writes Timothy and he says, listen Timothy, here's what I've noticed about your life and your ministry. There is some ash that has been built up in your life and your ministry. And what I want you to do is this, is I want you to fan in the flame. I want you to blow off that dust, that ash 
that's built up in your life and ministry. And the reason I want you to do this is, is because I want your flame to be burning bright for the Lord. And that's where we began this journey. And I want to ask you to turn in your Bibles to 2 Timothy chapter 4. 2 Timothy chapter 4. We're going to be reading verses 1 through 9, really 1 through 8. It goes like this. In the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who will judge the living and the dead, in view of his appearing in his kingdom, I give you this charge. Preach the word. Be prepared in season and out of season. Correct and rebuke. Encourage with great patience and careful instruction. For a time will come when men will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. They will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to miss. But you... Keep your head in all situations. Endure hardship. Do the work of an evangelist. Discharge all the duties of your ministry. For I am already being poured out like a drink offering. And the time has come for my departure. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Now there is in store for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge will award to me on that day, and not only me, but also all who have longed for his appearing. And as we read these verses, I, I, I think that we need to understand this unbelievable sense of urgency that's going on as Paul concludes his thought to his beloved son Timothy. And in, the, in, in just two verses of the, of the first five He's going to give nine commands, nine imperatives. It's as if Paul's going something like this. Timothy, I command you to do this, and I command you to do this, and I command you to do this. It's this unbelievable sense of urgency. And the, and the nine commands, the nine imperatives are preach the word, be ready in season and out of season, correct, rebuke, encourage, Keep your head in all situations. Endure hardship. Do the work of evangelists. Discharge all the duties of your ministry. And within these commands that Paul is sharing with Timothy, he's also sharing them with us. And he's sharing them with us for the same reason that he shared them with Timothy. To make sure that there's no ash that builds up in our lives and in our ministry, that we will actually, that we'll actually blow off that ash, blow off that ash that prohibits us from burning bright for the Lord. And there's a power in this. There's a power to burning brightly for the Lord. And that's the message of today, is for us to experience the power of the flame, the bright burning flame of the Lord. But I want you to know it starts with this. There is a power in the burning flame when I speak. Paul will say it this way. Preach the word. And it's the most solemn of all the charges that he gives. Because if you read that first verse, what's happening here, he's going, Listen, Timothy, I'm calling Jesus Christ and I'm calling God right here as my witnesses for you to preach 
the word. Timothy, you're to be the herald. You're to be the announcer of God's word to this world. And every time we hear this, here's what we think. That doesn't apply to me. I mean, preaching the word is this sort of small, select group of people who stand in front of something like this and they give a sermon. And you say something like this, hey, there is no way I'm I'm ever going to get up in front of people and preach or share the word. They even have a word that describes the fear of speaking. Glossophobia. And, and, and what this is, is, it's just this fear of speaking in public. And I want to tell you this. While the command doesn't exclude this activity that's happening right here and right now, it doesn't exclude that, I want to let you know there is so much more than this right here. There's so much more. And here's what I want to tell you is this. You don't have to be a preacher to preach. You don't. You don't have to be a preacher to preach. You see, preaching can, and proclaiming God's word can come in the most unexpected ways and in the most unexpected places. Think about this. Do you realize that you could preach the word over a cup of coffee with a friend? Do you realize that you could preach the word on a golf course? Do you realize that you could preach the word at a, at a neighbor's table, breakfast table? Do you realize that you could preach the word at work? Because any time that we open our mouths, any time we speak God's word, Anywhere we do that and we share the story of God, we share our stories, we are preaching the word. Now, i got to let you what I love about Sunset. I mean, there's so many things I love about Sunset, but you know what i got to tell you one of them is? I love it when I get up and you tell me to do what? Okay, let's do that a little bit. To tell me to do what? All right, so I'm turning it on you today. And here's what I want to tell you is this. Preach the word. Preach the word. Thank you. Amen. Amen. Preach the word. Listen. Preach the word. And not only are we to preach the word, we're to be ready in season and out of season. And when Paul says this, he says... I want you to know, I want you to be in this constant readiness. That's why he could say this in 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 15. He'll say this, do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who does not need to be ashamed and who correctly handles the word of truth. Why? Because we always need to be ready to share his word. When Paul says this, be ready in season and out of season, what he's saying is this. He's saying, there's this sense of urgency I want you to have about preaching the word of God. There's a sense of urgency I want you to have about speaking the word of God. In season and out of season. Whether it's convenient or not convenient, preach the word. Whether it's welcome or not welcome, preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. 
And then he says, I want you to know there's three approaches that you could use in preaching this word. The first one is to correct. It means to expose something, to bring something to light. The next one is to rebuke. And it really means to warn sharply. And the third one is exhortation. And this exhortation is this idea and thought that you come alongside somebody and you just speak words of comfort to them. But then Paul does something really, really different here. He talks not just about preaching the word, and he talks not just about being ready in season and out of season, and he talks not just about the three approaches, but he talks about a spirit that we're to have when we do this. And he says, I want to let you know, I want you to have great patience and careful instruction. And and what I want to deal with today is the great patience part. You know, we live in a really, really awkward time when it comes to sharing God's word. It's just a very different time. And it goes like this. There's usually these two extremes with this. And here's the first extreme. The one extreme is something like this. You know what we need, don't you? Bill, do you know what we need? We need for you to get up there and call sin what it is, is sin. You know what we really need? We need some good old fire and brimstone type of preaching. That's what we need. And I get that. I mean, I, I, really, I mean, I really do get that. But when I hear that, here's what I hear too. I hear so much anger. And I hear bitterness. And I hear rage. And then we go to the other extreme. Can I tell you the other extreme? The other extreme is this. Well, you better not say it that way else. They won't come to our church. I mean, Bill, that sounds, that sounds sort of harsh. I mean, if, if we say it that way, they may not like us. And we want people to come to our church, so can we just like tone this down a little bit? And, and, and what happens with this approach is, is something like this. We, we end up living on these, this message. We're so afraid of hurting somebody's feelings that we actually, our message becomes these series of daily living platitudes that actually don't mean anything. And, and instead, of, instead of that, what happens is, is that we never lead people to what I would consider cross-discipleship. And it's these two extremes. And so I began to think, what, what if we were to preach and speak God's word the way Paul instructed Timothy to preach and speak it? And, and it would look something like this. Let's let God define sin and let's not be afraid of calling something sin. Or how about this? Let's let God's word determine the importance or the lack of importance on any given subject. Or how about this? Let's not be afraid to speak truth 
into anyone our lives. But let us preach and let us speak with great patience. Can I tell you what the word, the word great patience means long-suffering. And, and I like this. Literally, this word means that we're long-tempered instead of short-tempered. It means that it's the opposite of being angry. Now, I want you to turn to your Bibles to 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 16. Look at verse 16. We're going to start reading in 15. All right, watch this. Got it? Follow me here. It's so important. All right. No, it's 1 Timothy. I'm sorry. 1 Timothy chapter 1. I got to get in the right Timothy. All right. Okay, 1 Timothy chapter 1, verses 15 and 16. Listen to this. Here's a trustworthy saying that delivers full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into this world to save sinners, of whom I am the worst. But for that very reason, I was shown mercy so that in me, the worst of all sinners, Christ Jesus might display his unlimited patience as an example for those who believe on him and receive eternal life. You see the words there, great patience? It is the same word found over here when we speak the word. And so the principle is this, just as patient as God was with us, so we are to be patient with others when we speak the word to them. Amen? The power of the burning word is when we position ourselves to be ready at any time to speak God's word. The power of the burning flame is we speak God's truth, a spirit of love and long-suffering. And that is the power of the burning flame. The second power of the burning flame is this, is when I'm sober. Now, I know that sounds weird. Okay? And I actually said that to sort of draw your attention to it. The power of the burning word is when I'm sober. And, and again, I know it's weird, and I know it, it sounds funny, but I want you to know it really captures the next charge that Paul had to Timothy. In the previous verses, let's go back to 2 Timothy chapter 4, all right? In the previous verses, Paul is describing for Timothy the world he's living in. He's talking about people who... Um, who don't want to, you know, they don't, they don't like sound teaching, and they only want to gather teachers around them that tickle their ears. But notice in verse 5, notice verse 5, it says this, but you, it is, it's, it's a contrast here, but you, Timothy, keep your head in all situations. Some versions that keep your head in all situations is really where the word we get sober. And, and what that really means is this, free from from mental and spiritual drunkenness. And you're going, that didn't help me at all. And it really isn't. You know what it means? It means that we're well-balanced people. We're self-controlled people. We don't panic. We don't go off into extremes. We're not easily offended. And we don't act in anger. And that's what it means to keep your head, to be sober. And what's amazing about this is that Paul, in the, midst of, in the midst of this hardship and affliction, Paul is sitting in a Roman dungeon ready to be executed, and he looks out at Timothy, 
And he said, if anybody could be not sober-minded, Paul could have had a right to do that. But he's sitting in this dark dungeon and he says, I want you to remain sober. I want you to remain sober-minded and I want you to endure hardship. And the power of the burning flame is found in keeping sober. Not only is the power found when I speak God's word or when I am sober, keep a, keeping my head, keeping my head, the power of the burning word is when I do my ministry. When we do our ministry, there's a power in this burning flame. As Paul sort of ends these series of commands, one right after the other, here's what he's going to say. Do the work of an evangelist, discharge all the duties of your ministry. And for Timothy, what that meant was this. Listen, Timothy, God placed you in Ephesus, and it is a godless city. It is godless. But I want you to carry out the work of an evangelist, and I want you to discharge all your ministry duties. And for Timothy, it looked something like this. It was for him to preach the word. Not only was it to preach the word, he was to correct false teachers. He was to train younger men. He was to actually endure suffering. That was completing his ministry. So what does it mean for us to complete our ministry? What does it mean for us? Let me just, let me just say this to you. To discharge the duties of our ministry is this. We don't quit our ministry we don't quit our service to the Lord. We persevere. We don't quit. And the question is, what's your ministry? What's your work of service? And, and let me just tell you, if you don't know what that is at this church, I want to tell you this, is that we're so sorry. We apologize. And we're trying to change that. But if you don't know what your work of service is, if you don't know what your ministry is this church, please, please, please come talk to us. Come talk to us and we will help you find your ministry. We will help you find your service. And when you find your service, or if you already have one, here's what we're going to tell you is this. Don't quit. Complete your work of service. So it looks something like this. If you are called to teach, don't quit. Fulfill your service. If you are called to show mercy, please don't quit. Fulfill your work of service. If you're called to be a shepherd, don't quit. Complete your work of service. If you were called to encourage, don't quit. Complete your work of service. If you were called to serve, please don't quit. Fulfill your service. If you're called to lead, please don't quit. Complete your work of service. And if you were called to give, don't quit. Complete and fulfill your work of service. And so whatever your ministry is, whatever it is, don't quit. Fulfill your ministry. So far we've talked a lot about our responsibilities as we keep this burning flame alive for God. But I want to let you know it, it, it ends in a really different way. 
The power of the burning flame is not necessarily wrapped up in our actions and responsibilities, as also is found in the presence and the promise of the promises of God. Turn to your Bible to 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 16 through 18. And I want to let you know, this is really, I, I found this when I was doing my study, and it was so fascinating to me. I, I just, it's really interesting. Watch, let's follow, let's track here for just a second. Look at verse 9. All right. He says, Do your best to come to me quickly, for Demas, because he loved this world, has deserted me, gone to Thessalonica. And he goes on with several bits of, of, of just sort of personal notes. Go here, come here, say hello to that person. And now watch this. Go to 14. Alexander, the metal worker, did me great harm. The Lord will repay him for what he's done. You should too, you know, guard against him, because he opposed me strongly. Timothy i got to let you know something. You be careful of Alexander, the metal worker. And then here's what, notice what he does. He just stops with all of that. Did you notice what he does here? Watch this. Now let's read it. At my first defense, no one came to my support. But everyone deserted me. May it not be held against them. But the Lord stood by my side and gave me strength so that he that through me the message might be fully proclaimed to all the Gentiles, that they might hear it. And I was delivered from the lion's mouth. The Lord will rescue me from every evil attack and will bring me safely to his heavenly kingdom. To him be the glory forever and ever. And we all say what? Amen. And what's so weird about this is, now look at what happens. Look at verse 19. Greet Priscilla and Aquila. He starts up again, and it's like he has this interjection at this moment in time, and he's going, I don't know what causes this, but here's what he says. He goes, he goes everyone abandoned me, but the Lord stood by my side. I could not say another word, but the Lord gave me strength to speak. I was in the jaws of the lion, but I want to let you know the Lord delivered me, and I was under evil attack, and the Lord rescued me, and I don't know what brought this on, maybe... He was thinking about his immediate execution. Or maybe he was thinking about Timothy and, and all the trials and the struggles that he would have to go through. Or maybe he was thinking about the ministry that Timmy, Timothy was going to have to endure. Maybe he was thinking about Alexander, the metal worker who had given him such a hard time. I have no idea what it is. I don't know why he said this. But all I know is it holds these truths for us as we talk about burning bright. And that is this. The God is present. God will strengthen. God will deliver. And God will rescue. So as we close this beautiful letter, let's remember the powerful and burning promises of God. If you feel like everybody has abandoned you, if you feel alone, the Lord is by your side. And if you feel like your words are not making any difference at all and you're tired of speaking God's truth, the Lord will give you strength to speak. And if you feel like life circumstances are just crushing you, know that God will deliver. And finally, if you're under this constant attack from Satan... And temptation is all around you all the time. And, and you could barely breathe because of all 
the evil that is surrounding you, you need to know this, that God will rescue you. Amen? The power of the burning flame is found in the presence of God. Today's message, I'll let you know, this entire series was meant to do this. It was meant to ignite. It was meant to blow off the ash from our life and our ministry so that we could burn brightly for God. And I got to make this appeal non apologetic. If you've not been baptized into Jesus Christ, you better get that flame started today. Amen? Let the flame start today. But for all us who's been Christians for a while, let's let everything that we said in this wonderful series about, the, about 2 Timothy is do this. Let it blow. Let it fan in the flame. A burning passion for the Lord and his work as we stand and as we sing.